Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Welcome to Wrestling Questions You Most Want Answered. I'm Michael Sidgwick, joined by fellow Dadly Boy Michael Hamflet to do precisely that. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure to subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. We answer your questions. We preview and review Raw, SmackDown, NXT, AEW Dynamite, pay-per-views. We hold wrestler interviews. We conduct wrestling roundtable discussions and we host a roundup of the week complete with a bloody good quiz of course on wrestle culture but now we are here to answer your questions of all things wrestling related um apologies if we don't get to all of them we have a limited time frame in which to do this and apologies for the terrible format because adam wilborn is exponentially better at this than i am but we'll get through it together and the worst thing is it's like when wilborn does this I can usually just like deflect the heat onto him and say, "Art Wilborn selecting the questions." So if you've got a question for me, I didn't answer it. It's his fault. I'm going to take the heat on this. There's only a certain amount of questions we can answer, but we'll try and get through as many as humanly possible. Um, we will start with Hugo. Hugo from Portugal. He's a loyal fan, so let's reward that loyalty by asking his, uh, by answering, sorry, his question. Now, when Hugo's, uh, he's kind of buried us and really put us over big at the same time as Hugo. So here we go. He says, "Hi, Dad. Hugo here. Big fan. Only Portuguese fan, probably. Well, hang on, Hugo. <laughs> there might be more. There might be more. What do you think Cristiano Ronaldo's got in those headphones all the time? It's I not know. music. I know." CR7, big fan, as is Hugo. He says, here's the cue. Would you ever want either WWE or AEW to have an all-women TV show? And if so, would you remove them from the remaining programs? I love you deeply. Thanks, Hugo. I legitimately have not made that last bit up. Very affectionate and very supportive as Hugo, and we appreciate that. Uh, Hamlet, you go first. We'll probably just toss these questions and volley them, essentially. Yeah, uh, no, is a short answer. I've never been in favour of that because I don't think there's much evidence ever that marginalising any subsection of a wrestling roster is good for it. 
Um, maybe I'm basing that on WWE's like efforts or lack thereof with cruiserweights over the years. But I was never particularly in favour of 205 Live and kind of look how that's gone. Um, what we have with AEW currently is Dynamite existing, as it should, as the um, the point that everything has to revolve around. If it's not on Dynamite, it is considered missable, and that's okay. You know, it's, it, like, it's hard to expect your fans to keep up with every single minute of your product. Something has to be that destination. And I think if you were to take the women specifically off Dynamite or off Raw or SmackDown or whatever, wherever they went to wouldn't be the destination. And that's including if it became best wrestling show on television. That's including if you take NXT's, the best of NXT's women's division, and you pepper in the quality booking of AEW's women's division in the last year, because it's wrestling and because there's rampant misogyny in the bloodstream of pro wrestling, it would still feel like a secondary concern compared to whatever the other company is putting as the flagship at the time, SmackDown, Raw, Dynamite, whatever. It's It just seems to be in wrestling's DNA that once something disappears from the flagship, it immediately becomes shoulder programming or marginal content, even if the product's better. And I think that's just something we're stuck with. Better to shine on a flagship than become this secondary, almost niche concern off to the side. Yeah, I'll have to echo that because particularly with WWE, you are just going to get something unimportant content obligation. Basically, it doesn't matter what goes on the show. They don't have to prioritize it in importance. It's simply when they are selling it to a peacock or something like that in the future, they will say, oh, you've got X hours of content, which is like music to the ears of these execs. What is the content? And then they can both WWE and Peacock can laugh and go, it doesn't matter as long as <laughs> might watch it or as long as it looks, as long as it's available to watch. It's a warped world in which we now live. For me, um, look, Stardom exists. Stardom is doing like incredibly well um, by its critical reception, fan reception, and it's ace from what little I've seen of it um, this year. Um, that big match um, was Every bit as good as people said it was. So there is precedent for this thing to work. Um, my problem is one of my favorite matches of all time is Triple H and Stephanie McMahon versus Ronda Rousey and Kurt Angle. You wouldn't get something like that if there was a women's only promotion. So my subjective take on the matter is that no, I wouldn't want to see it. I wouldn't want women marginalized, which I suspect would happen because as much as we all loved it, evolution wasn't particularly good business. And that's a sad truth of it. I think the world still needs to be throttled and told, shaken from this like misogynistic ingrained attitude. No women's wrestling is more like very often better than the men's, but I don't think that's reflected in the wider wrestling populace. My objective take is that me and Hamflet are both white privileged near middle-aged blokes hmm. i would be interested and really please um reply underneath the twitter post of this podcast in a female perspective it's all well and good me and hamflet saying this but what would women want would they want um a women's exclusive brand or would they want proper parity and integration um so i think me and hamflet are both erring toward, towards one side, but we're probably not the people to ask, really. Yeah, yeah. Let's just uh, be sound about it. Well, next up, you've got a celebrity, like a, a legit celebrity. I've got an in-joke with my wife where I'll say, I know a celebrity, you know, <laughs> on Twitter, 
Uh, about nine of them, but put Megafan in the bios. And I adore you for that. Um, but I'm not actually a celebrity. So usually when I say things like this, I'm being facetious. But no, this time I'm not. Dustin Parry of uh, Ghost Hunters fame has asked us a question. And because he's a celebrity, legitimately, pamphlet, be nice because we hate The Fiend. But, you know. Okay. Oh, God. All right. Guys rubbing shoulders with big wigs. And yeah. it might reflect well on us not to bury this thing that he's obviously invested in. Dustin, we don't like The Fiend, but we'll try and answer this objectively and with as little snark as possible. Uh, Dustin asks, do you think we are ever going to see The Fiend again? Or do you think Wyatt has to come up with yet another incarnation of his character since WWE seems to love to stonewall his creativity with their booking decisions? Well, Dustin, do you think the Dadleys are going to be on Ghost Hunters? Because if you can answer that, I can answer this. Um no, it, I sympathise with when yeah, Cedric's right. We're not Fiend fans, nor are particularly Bray Wyatt fans. I, I sympathise with people that are fans of Bray Wyatt because no matter what you think of his creativity or what he potentially offers as a creative force backstage in WWE, he offers something. May not be to your taste, but he he wants to contribute. He wants to be part of his character's evolution, if you can call it that. He wants to be part of the things his character does. He doesn't seemingly just want to come to work and take a paycheck and yet they book him into so many corners and so many creative cul-de-sacs that he has no choice to become the rest that just comes and takes a paycheck he has no choice but just to become the guy that comes to work with brand new gear ready to emerge out of a jack-in-a-box and then sees on the format sheet he's going to lose to narco in six minutes that it must be so hard to continue creatively to want to kick out of being pinned down by this company over and over again um so his like precedent makes me think he will keep trying what he probably must like you would assume is the mountains of cash he makes um i hated the fiend once they ruined it but i loved it in the first instance and i loved it in that way that made me want to part with my time and money to love it more it was only when they killed it hell in a cell 2019 i mean they killed it really quick that's the problem but like that one month after the um, presentation of his match against Finn Balor, I was all in on this fiend. I was like, well, you've done vignettes, but you've actually nailed the live presentation. I didn't think you had, you had it in you, and they've done it. They killed it in a month, but enough people were still on the hook that those $6,000 fiend belts got sold, and we were given reports that the, like he was one of the hottest merch sellers in the company. He was making more. He was making Cena money, briefly. That was the phrase that was getting thrown around, and we all know what that like reflects financially. So that would have probably been like the most successful period of his career in terms of his bank balance and in terms of his quality of life. And I'm always an advocate for wrestlers getting paid more than they do, no matter what wage they're on, because they fall on the back for a living. So long answer to your short question. Yes, I think we'll probably get another incarnation because yes, as a man with children, he kind of might as well keep going at this. I think the time has passed for him to try his luck elsewhere when he can probably find ways to monetize his good ideas before WWE kill them. I know that's cynical, and I know that's maybe not the happy storyline conclusion you'd maybe like to what you've enjoyed about Bray Wyatt, but thinking of the man rather than the performer, it's probably just the smartest way to go. Uh, I've got wide-ranging thoughts on this one, Dustin. Um, I'm not a big fan of The Fiend, nor, in fact, any kind of supernatural elements in WWE. It just feels like one is clumsily welded to the other, and WWE can't make it scary for me, nor can they do it nuanced in a nuanced way, nor can what Bray Wyatt does make sense in WWE's context. What I mean by that is 
we saw so much of the fiend getting immolated burned to a crisp as um people were fond of saying back in december and various other crazed stunts and teleportations and mind control bits and doppelgangers all of it has to end up in a collar and elbow tie-up or a draping ddt and i just think no matter what fantastical story elements you introduce with the fiend character it's still fundamentally pro wrestling at the end of the day and it's such a like for me personally a preposterous juxtaposition between murders and ghost stories and mythologies into the wrestling ring that it doesn't work but that's just me for a lot of people presumably you included you're invested enough to ask this question a lot of people do like this i just think it's so like unsuited to what pro wrestling is that i don't think either i think there's too many fans that can't reconcile the two things and suspend their disbelief to make it work and that's compounded by the fact that wwe is systemically inept like systemically inept i do think i never watched lucha underground i really didn't um but they had a lot of ardent fans who were convinced that this heightened universe worked because the universe itself was heightened there wasn't this weird disturbance into this um emulation of wrestling context that wwe does those are my thoughts on the matter. Bray Wyatt, I honestly think, is better served doing some kind of comedy character. I'm not kidding. The very best moments of the Firefly Funhouse were these legitimately funny, off-kilter, unsettling comedic skits in the Firefly Funhouse. Something like that, that isn't overtly supernatural, that doesn't um, invite these plot holes. Couldn't some like You could basically get the best version of Bray Wyatt, very creative man, in sort of a coherent presentation that doesn't collide spectacularly with, with what WWE fundamentally is. To be brutally honest about your question, I think we will get another go-round of The Fiend, even though it's been killed off. They did something similar with Bray Wyatt where he's away for a while and then he came back um, and had one last go-around before realizing yeah this is completely dead and it needs a reboot i think they'll do one more go around it will fail again and then there will be another incarnation but they've still got a decent amount of merch on that shop and there's still enough people with the guy in their twitter avatars to convince them look we'll give it one more go around um so thank you for your question dustin that's the most respectful i've ever been about the fiend so <laughs> the lesson here guys is get on telly and i'll be nice to you <laughs> Get on telly and I will be nice. Uh, next question comes from Matt Raines, Sidgwick Megafan. Who? Uh, Matt Raines? Don't know. Don't know. Never heard him. Quite a funny guy. Very loyal guy. Never heard him. Sounds like he'd be a guy that'd be awful. But I mean, he's just got a nice question. Sorry. Didn't mean to interject. Seems like he'd be all right. This question is. I know we've all pretty much fantasy booked Hangman kicking out of the one-winged angel, but could you see MGF being the first to kick out the Judas effect? If anyone is deserving, it's him. Cheers, King. He's referring to me as the King, not you. Oh, okay, right, yeah. It's funny that he talks about people being deserving because Matt Reigns isn't deserving in my response, is he? What do you think of that, Sidney? Um, I think it's a very good idea. And I think now that Matt Reigns has had this really quite brilliant idea... He has convinced me that it's the way to go. If you look at this MJF 
Chris Jericho's storyline, how long it's gone on, the extent to which it's sprawled, the premise behind it ultimately, and this has been expressed by MJF quite often, is that MJF is the new Chris Jericho. He dropped in, fantastically, by the way, 25 years. For the next 25 years, I'm going to be at the top of this, creating a parallel with Chris Jericho. It wasn't even the first. And he said, in canon, in storyline, your spot is mine. Your spot is mine. The pinnacle are going to usurp the inner circle. Ultimately, we're going to be the dominant faction. I'm going to be the dominant guy. I'm taking your spot. I can't think of a better symbolic means of putting the full stop at the end of that story by him kicking out the Judas effect and being the first to do it. Yeah, actually, like in all seriousness, thank you very much, Matt Reigns, for your question. There's a good broken clock energy to that tweet because I respect Cedric and I like that fantasy booking. Um, it's the thing with the Jericho MJF stuff is that I keep coming back to this. Ideally, it's got to write Chris Jericho off as well. Um, not just because Fozzie are going to tour, but he does feel like he's kind of overwhelmed the Dynamite product a little bit of late. I think this is like narratively and IRL quite lined up for Chris Jericho taking a break. And if there's one thing you could give to MJF on like as he departs, a finisher is as good as anything, isn't it? It's a way for like MJF to take something from him as he disappears back out onto the road. The Judas effect was never like, and I, I, I just never saw it coming. I never saw the Judas effect. Like of all the things that Chris Jericho could have added to his arsenal when he sort of became this almost like a celebrity figure as AEW's first world champion. I think you compared him to like a, a Ric Flair type at the time. He was finally having that run as this elder statesman that could still be both things. He could still be a current guy, but with all this pedigree. Um, I never saw this, his own version of a one-winged angel being something he would add to his arsenal. So in the same way that I never saw it coming, I wouldn't mind if they took it away from him as well. Like two years is not a bad run for a Chris Jericho to have a finisher that nobody could kick out of. He might not want to. That's the only thing I would say against against the booking is that maybe he can't quite believe that he's established this bag average, like back elbow, back fist thing as a killer move. Maybe like he must be so surprised that he's established it that he'd want to keep it. But if he doesn't, I think that's sort of a perfect thing, a perfect gift to MJF as, as a parting gift before he leaves for a while, because ultimately, when, like, if, he, if this is loser leaves, when he comes back, there's probably going to be more like stuff for Chris Jericho. He's going to want to do brand new stuff, isn't he? That's how Chris Jericho operates. So it's okay for him to get rid of that ahead of like getting rid of the champion, ahead of getting rid of the inner circle, that sort of stuff. Like he'll probably have a haircut, like his gear will change, his color palette will change. So I don't think there's any harm either in doing it if it's going to lead to an exit. Uh, Yeah, I completely agree with all of that. Um, Next question, just to rattle through some. And this one specifically, right? From Michael Hamflit, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna um, <laughs> it as well. It's from Mr. Five Lawton, Hamflit. This is right up your wheelhouse, and keep it brief. We went way over on the dynamite uh, review, but <laughs> fault. You're gonna be on here all day. Which one-off ring attire would you like to see make a return? Oh Jesus Christ! Um, the one I go to is the one because it's forbidden ultimately, which is Seth Rollins at SummerSlam 2015. Um, he wrestled in a lovely white ensemble at WrestleMania 36 in the empty gym against Kevin Owens, but it wasn't quite as good as the original. And the fact that we know, because Seth said as much, that Vince hates it 
is the one I go to. I feel like I will regret this answer the second that we stop recording. Um, love Mr. Five Lawton, by the way, one of the great listeners from our fantastic group on Twitter. Um, also, if you made a comeback, because I want one more, CM Punk's Brett Trunks would be the ones I would want him to pick. If he could only work one more time, those Bret Hart Trunks he made when he was fighting for respect and he went with Brett's WrestleMania 9 Trunks, I just think were lovely. So if he was ever going to come back, I want him in Brett Pink and Black because he's a guy that I feel is quite tied to it. Who's yours, Sidra? Oh, I don't know. Because it wasn't a one-off. But my immediate... So I'm not actually answering the question here because it was not a one-off ring attire. But I'd really like to see Hangman Page revert to the Trunks when he fights Kenny Omega. I want the palette swap. I want the white on... I want the black on white as well. I would love that. Because what I love about that gear decision is that knowing full well the partnership with Omega was about to dissolve... He conveyed one last plea mm. to Omega by sort of matching, matching him. Um, maybe he's been wearing them. You know what? He might just feel better about his legs. <laughs> completely overthinking it. But in my head canon, and surely the timing marries up, in my head canon, he still is holding on to the idea that that was a better time in his life and he's completely it all up. And he's just wearing that as a residual haunting memory. So I'd like to see him wear the trunks. As for a one-off ring attire that I would love to see come back. You know, largely one-offs stay one-offs for a reason. Because either they're storyline specific or they are told inexplicably in the case of Seth Rollins that um, they don't really work. Mm. Even though everyone loved it and he probably should dust it off once or twice a year. Top of my head stuff. You know who looked resplendent in pink? Remember MJF's gear at Fighter Fest last oh, year? Oh, yes. Including the, the gear he wore on the way to the ring. The dressing gown he thing he had. So it was MJF and Wardlow versus uh, Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. And if memory serves me correctly, it was Fighter Fest versus Great American Bash. And we've got Kenny Omega in the main event of one show and Io Shirai and Sasha Banks in the other. And MGF, Jungle Boy, Wardlow and Luchasaurus stole the entire night. Yeah. And MGF looked phenomenal doing it. So, yep, he can wear some pink. He can wear some pink. He looked there. It's annoying to put him over because he absolutely loves being put over. But MGF wearing pink. Absolutely. I would love to see that. Um, Another loyal listener... Uh, I don't know how to pronounce this name. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. 
Before we go any further, though, this podcast is brought to you by Rocket Money. Do you ever feel like money is just flying out of your account and you've got no idea where it's going? Well, it's all those subscriptions. I mean, think about it. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it is endless. I'm guilty of this, so I used Rocket Money to help me find out what subscriptions I'm actually spending money on, and it was more shocking than a wrestling betrayal. You see, Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in cancelled subscriptions. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. That's rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. Rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. Yusugi Kenshin. Yusugi Kenshin. He is very, very supportive of us. Very yes. engaged. You've seen the avatar. I don't know how to pronounce it. Right. He asks, wait there. I have lost the question. Here we go. <laughs> We know Becky Lynch is coming back, and since we need someone to get rid of Lily and Alexa's magic, what do you think about Becky bringing back the old steampunk gimmick with the goggles that she can use to block Alexa's hypnosis and end this magic once and for all? I have no problem with Becky ending the magic once and for all, but like, surely it's just easy done with a punch to the face. I don't mean to Lily's face either, I mean to Alexa's. Like, can she not, as the man, smash her so hard in the side of the head that Alexa gets cartoon rattled by it and forgets everything that's happened to her over the last year or something like that. I Becky Lynch, like it's it's a funny thing to think about her in the steampunk goggles deflecting the hypnotic hypnot, like hypnotic powers of Alexa Bliss. You have to be like people aren't really thinking or talking about Becky Lynch like this. She was the last proper star this company had, like legit top line. You could absolutely headline any page. Jesus Christ, you got to acknowledge the tribal chief, or they'll be. After- <laughs> after you don't want them coming for me but um she proper legit every objective measure star they they like she kind of half of it was by accident because it's wwe and it always is but they were like dangerously close to alienating all the people that fell in love with becky lynch when she went off on maternity um they didn't even completely tell the rocky three story we all assumed truck stuff was all about her losing to Shayna Baszler and having to find herself again. And um, they just put her over. And it just thought, what was all that for now then? And then, like, fortuitously, she took extended time off television before that character could be destroyed. They need to, like, treat that character with the respect it deserves because it's a moneymaker. The man is a thing. People care about it. And, you know, like, people loved original Becky Lynch, which is probably how the man happened in the first place. But if you're going to use her to bring Alexa back from the brink. Just do it by a stiff punch in the head. Fair enough. You mentioned Rocky there, did you not? Yes. Nice segue. This is a question, Hamlet, that speaks to your heart. This is from Hamid. Do you guys think Hangman should win on the first try with Kenny, or should it be like Rocky part one and a draw? I want it to go to a second match, and not just because of Rocky, which I hadn't thought about in the comparison, but we've talked about this over the virtual and it goes back so far, real desks. I want him to lose because Kenny Omega losing to Kazuchika Okada was better than him winning in their first match. It honestly was. 
And I mean, we could look upon from that match as everything that sprung forth from it. But even just within the context of a single match, it was awesome that he lost. Um, Tetsu United losing one year later was awesome. And I'm not just attaching everything to Okada's amazing reign, but I want... Um, you mentioned on our Dynamite review, coming soon to this very podcast feed, that you've got panic about what else is left to still potentially break um, Hangman Page's heart before we finally arrive at Omega Hangman Page. I want it to be Omega. I, I love the idea of Hangman Page winning it all out, which means we possibly need to get this match in first. Um, but I do. I want Kenny Omega to hit the one-winged angel with this assumption that everybody has built up that Hangman Page is going to be the guy to kick out from it and him not because I think they've done such an amazing job of telling a story of real life mental health ups and downs that you deliver this seemingly unassailable valley before he ascends again and he battles the demon and he wins second time around because I think it's they've been so delicate in how they've handled the subject matter for pro wrestling that I think it's just adds another layer to it if it shows that you don't you think you're not going to get this fairy tale ending but you can come back from that and you can win in a different way and you can achieve in a way that you didn't expect. I think it would just be an, a lovely additional texture. To t- I've heard other ways to do it. I've heard about like he wins, but then he loses straight away. I think it would be awesome if this Kenny Omega beat him once and the hangman gets it done second time around. Two things need to happen as far as I can see with this just incredible story. We need one more moment of heartbreak to prolong it just because you know the the practical reality is there are a few more challenges lined up um on tv and it would be a shame if um those teasers were abandoned because i want to see eddie kingston i want to see kazarian i want to see christian cage or at least two of the three so we need one last heartbreaking moment because at the minute hangman page is there he's there he's number one ranked it's been explicitly teased, but it can't happen like in two weeks' time or something and all out still several weeks away. To convince Hangman, or in order for Hangman to convince himself that he's ready, a big uplifting moment needs to happen in his life. A big confidence driver. Um, maybe it was the promo and it's all going to happen very soon. I don't know. But if you're going to delay it, you need a heartbreak. And if you're going to do it quickly, he needs the confidence. I would kill two birds with one stone with Hangman Page, Kenny Omega match and to subvert further the whole one-winged angel stuff, I would have Hangman kick out with 3.1. Hulk Hogan, Ultimate Warrior style, but without being a complete dick. And I want it sold on commentary like, uh, did, did the unthinkable just happen? Did the unthinkable just happen? Obviously, such a thing would create this really confused audience reaction. But that would be weird and distracting in the moment, but it would like develop a power after the fact. If the commentary team can scramble, think of what's just happened. It's like, no, 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 like, unfortunately, Kenny's won, but no one's ever come as close as Hangman Page has. So that could be the thing that is like, if I can just fight that bit harder, I've unlocked the secret of beating that finish and I know I can do it next time. That would be the rematch for me. Um, we'll rattle through a few more questions before we wrap this up. Um, Big man, small planet. Um, Jonathan, and then a bunch of numbers, and yet he's not a knob. Um, usually people are um, when they've got... Uh, maybe some people are just lazy. Um, I'm not saying he is. He's a very uh, valued listener. 
with crowds coming back, all being well, I, that's my most, I've literally inhabited the ghost of Alan Bavem. Bloody Wilborn there. That's <laughs> partridge I've ever been. Like, legitimately, I'm not taking the piss. Um, he's always in the mentions and he's always um, asking us questions and supporting us. I appreciate that. Hence why he's getting answered here. With crowds coming back, all being well. What would you guys say was your favourite match without fans? Mine was the Firefly Funhouse match from WrestleMania last year. Thanks, guys. I, I mean, it's a hell of a shout. It was absolutely amazing. Um... I, I feel like it's cheating if I go for Stadium Stampede because the genius of Stadium Stampede 1 was that it just, it was curated to help people escape from everything. It was wonderful, but it was this like, it was a celebration of the things that pro wrestling can do rather than an expert pro wrestling match, like without fans, if that makes sense. So I've got to go with the one that like held true to pro wrestling at its heart and because I love the angle so much. Like Bailey and Sasha delivered in Hell in a Cell and there was enormous expectation on them to pay off a storyline that they were so heavily involved in, in a company that does a bad job of literally everything, like everything. They didn't just have a match that was incredibly worthy of that story, but they actually restored the danger of Hell in a Cell as a stipulation. It was the match that should have gone on last because that boring Randy Orton Drew McIntyre match could never top it. Um, and they just, yeah, they exceeded expectations in a match that seemed set up to, to like to doom them to never get in the payoff they deserved. That finish was just like such a luxurious callback to the stuff that happened with them in NXT. With well, like those NXT matches were so informed by the crowd as well. Like just devoted crowd in love with this story. They had none of that. And yeah, I was just like, I was so elated, not just for the quality of the match, but the fact that they even pulled it off when all sorts of circumstances were against them. It's just like a, like a real personal favourite. It had no right. That's what I would say. Like that match had no right to be as brilliant as it was. And it was just, it was vindication that you're like, I know these two are brilliant. And it was just vindication that they, they can do it in, they could do it on a wet Wednesday in Stoke. That was the wrestling equivalent of that. And it was just nice to see. I also love the Firefly Funhouse match, like inexplicably and so much more than I ever thought possible. The way it was filmed and the sort of like historical journey using various pieces of WWE symbolism and wrestling symbolism uh, to like chronolog chronologically tell the John Cena story. Um, it just felt like WrestleMania when it had no right to. Uh, really great achievement. I think objectively the very best achievement of the pandemic era was in fact um, the original stadium stampede. Just as I wrote at the time, they literally had a 100 yard sized canvas on which to paint this inspired masterpiece that was just really funny. The wrestling in it was fantastic. And the payoffs were great. The feeling surrounding it was great. The creativity was great. It was exactly what we needed at the time but it was very much a moment in time. I'm not entirely sure how much it will endure. Um, I don't know. If I was going to go back and watch any pandemic wrestling match in like two or three years' time, I think the real achievement was the parking lot brawl between Ortiz and Santana and the best friends. Because what happened was when WWE was like, right, let's just um, get whichever nearest performance center recruited to do a 20-minute match on Raw, um, because a lot of the top stars have phoned this in um, but just decided not to bother and fair play to them. It was just artless bollocks. And then they thought, right, 
that's not working. Let's spend loads of money to emulate in a really uncanny and soulless way the arena environment with the Thunderdome. They didn't, apart from the worst possible versions, I for an eye money in the bank, which they knew themselves were rubbish. Somehow they had the self-awareness. They realized, hang on, none of this is working. Let's just go back to what we do in a way that looks bright and shiny. They never used the pandemic and the horrific atmospheres you had to work it in front of with any sort of good inspired thought. It was hackneyed rubbish. I know people like the Boneyard, but I don't like it. Everything beyond WrestleMania was just hackneyed rubbish or just this eerie simulation. What AEW did was they looked at the various spaces they had at their disposal and they only had one facility. And they thought, right, how can we make a match here? How can we make a match there? And I thought the parking lot brawl was just an absolutely stunning hybrid of a wrestling match and an actual brawl. Like, dives from one car hood to the other and the shattered glass, um, just the ridiculous head drops on the bonnets, like... It was a perfect match when you couldn't really do anything that wasn't bittersweet in the ring, put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, one more question. Uh, sorry if I didn't get round to you. Surely you'll get picked next time, but it'll be Willborn, so I can't really guarantee that it will be it will be it will be his fault. Uh, this is from Blaze. Um, I really like this question, and I'm gonna go first if you don't mind. Um, hope you all enjoyed Dynamite the same way I did. How is it that AEW has created and allowed Jungle Boy and Darby to become the stars they are when WWE would not allow a smaller guy who barely talks the same platform to grow? It's like you can tell your story through your work, not only on the mic. Great question, and it's something that there's several reasons why I prefer AEW over WWE without, by the way, thinking one is automatically better than the other. It's a week-by-week, month-by-month, merit-based appraisal on my part. But here's the thing. One thing I hate about WWE, of the many, is the fact that they think their audience is stupid. They think that they don't want a wrestling audience. They want the biggest audience possible, which is ironic because as Paul Heyman so eloquently and succinctly put it, you either get it or you don't. They unfathomably want to reach the audience that simply don't get it. And they think so little of their audience that exposition, explanations really on-the-nose dialogue is at the core of everything they do. That's why they hire so many writers, because they think you're too thick to grasp the beats of a story if it's not shouted or talked at length in your face. Now, the difference with... The obvious difference with the way AEW have presented Jungle Boy and Derby with how WWE would theoretically do it is that instantly... It wouldn't be the same in NXT, but on the main roster, they're just simply too small. They are simply too small. Can you imagine WWE handling a character like Darby Allen? Allen himself said they would have to be jacking off in a boiler room. They absolutely would not get it at all. Um, Jungle Boy, they would have him talk so often that you just would want him to shut up. All the charm he's got would just be lost. So on Jungle Boy specifically, before I get to Darby Allen, what AEW has done has embraced the fact that Jungle Boy is incredibly young and once upon a time was really exciting but green. They thought, right, you know what's good about this is that we can beat him. We can beat him and beat him and beat him. At one point, as he pointed out on Dynamite last night, he had the worst uh, win-loss record in the promotion because they trusted you to think, right, okay, it's really exciting, but there's a storyline get-out for beating him. He's young, he's inexperienced, 
and he's small. But look at his actual attributes, and we can balance that to create an emerging upstar character. He's got loads of guts, loads of resolve, loads of natural talent, hugely sympathetic. Not only is he good at getting beat, but we can justify beating them because of all the reasons I've just said. In the process of doing that, he forms an organic connection with crowds because they believe in him as a fighter and they believe in him as someone who will eventually reach the top and they trust the company to do this. It would never happen in WWE because WWE's ridiculous system now with NXT is that everyone kind of gets promoted as a championship caliber athlete. Mm. Just creates this muddled one tier where people beat each other arbitrarily um they don't embrace the flaws of a performer at all in the way aew does even though as we've seen with jungle boy not only did the people who beat him get over mjf chris jericho various tag teams but he got over in defeat because he showed so much and now that he's shown so much he's now joined those people who were beating him it's an ecosystem of narrative is how i would put it wwe just couldn't like the ironic thing is, is that they will book people like crap, but they can't accept that people aren't these amazing TV stars who are super polished and um, they've got marketable names. How can the how can an archer of infamy be bad? <laughs> how can they be bad wrestlers? They, they work for WWE. They can't be bad. You have your geeks, but that's a separate thing. You don't have a wrestler who's in the middle of a journey. Does not happen. You could say maybe Mansoor is at the minute, but we'll see where that bloody goes. With Darby Allen, it's the exposition thing. You can infer Darby Allen's character through his silent films. When he gets dragged along in a body bag from a truck in a beat-up place, you are instantly given the impression that he's willing to risk his life to do this because he's so dead inside that he wants to feel something. He's sick of being like bullied and pushed around by stables because he was um, feeding with the inner circle at one point. So he will say, look, these are the lengths I'm willing to go and I'm going to convey them artfully through my short films that, um, you know, are quite eerily filmed. Connotations of death are all around them with flamethrowers we've seen in the past and with eyes being poked out of the masks. But you are instantly getting the impression from Darby Allen is that he will kill himself to win, to feel something, to persevere. Put him in WWE and he will say the words relentless, much like Edge said the word grit about 500 times in one eight-minute promo. Um, it's just a philosophical thing. They don't, they like to protect, it's just also ironic, they like to protect their stars from defeat. They look like losers with that philosophy. Uh, they don't trust you to get the nuances of a character, so they will tell you the character until you are sick, and it's only in one dimension anyway. Basically, TLDR, AW rules, WWE sucks. Hamlet? <laughs> I mean, no, I can't really bear too much from all of that. I, it, it's, for me, it's, I always think this, when you see takes like this, let's say about Darby Allen or Jungle Boy was the example here, but really it's the age-old thing of, well, what would X do with, like, what would we do with X? It used to be when Omega's contract was coming due every year with New Japan. Same conversation would come up, but this has been the case for the longest time now because WWE has looked like this for the longest time now, and it's kind of only gotten worse in terms of, it used to be, we just have, like, a gentle dig at them changing the names of the guys. In reality, what that was obscuring was they were kind of changing or diluting everything about them. The name was the tip of the iceberg. It's, um, WWE, you can, like, I do, you can, like, 
individual performers, you can love them. My whole deal for the longest time was like, trust the worker, not the process, because the process was like, didn't deserve your faith anymore, but absolutely like your favorite wrestlers. They're there to be enjoyed as superstars, capital S. However, you have to enjoy those on WWE in spite of the show they're working on. Whereas in AEW, you can enjoy them because of it. And that is something I just don't think WWE with our house style will ever get back. You can never, look, if you want to be the biggest Seth Rollins fan, be the biggest Seth Rollins fan. You might love his matches. You might, you know, Christ help you, love all of his promos. But you can just love watching him do his thing, right? But he will be scripted into the ground from time to time. He will work matches far more boring than he's capable of. He will be given a character that you don't believe because he'd be far better performing this character instead of that character. And you basically have to decide there and then, do I like you enough to persevere through this in the hope that eventually, I this with Bailey all the time, do I like you enough to persevere through this awful stuff because I know you're so great that ultimately you will come good again. You will be good in spite of this product. If you were to feel that way about an AEW wrestler, you will watch them and then you, you will only, like your adulation of them will only be informed by what you see every Wednesday. You will see something and then you will have your investment rewarded by good storylines therein. And we're experiencing the opposite of that with Andrade at the moment, but they've instilled such trust in the process that it's coming with this, I but they'll get there. If you're a big Andrade fan right now, you might be like, oh, it's not so great, but you're not going to abandon him wholesale because you know they're absolutely going to get it right in the end. And I just think it's AW remains the product where if you are really feeling things for a character, you will have those feelings rewarded. And I feel completely, I, I watch Bailey not enjoying her anger with Bianca Belair and just thinking, oh, well, the match might be good and maybe the next storyline will be any good. That is such a disconnected way to watch pro wrestling. And I think that's especially for like for fans of our age and a lot of the listeners that are the same age, you're watching WWE at arm's length, you're doing it at a distance, you're emotionally disconnected. And I don't think it, it matters, it's Jungle Boy, Darby Allen, Britt Baker, whomever, I, like, I just don't think that'll change because that's ultimately the philosophies of the companies rather than the individual wrestlers. Yep, no, I completely agree with that. Um, I did say that was the last question, but someone just called us GOAT. So, <laughs> we have to do that. Ted the Hillbilly Heel has just called us goats. So I'm going to very quickly answer this question uh, before we sign off for another day. Um, Adam Wilborn being written off the show this week. Does he have a legit injury or is he getting heat backstage? Now, if you notice the timing of Adam Wilborn's um, absence, um, he was off from Wednesday. Mm. What happened on Tuesday night? England beat Germany 2-0. Now, I was born as a bit of a secret flag shagger, so it's a legit injury. He broke his cock, right? Okay, that answers the question. Um, Adam Wilborn, breaking news, cock is broken, okay? This is the take, and it's broke. <laughs> he just broke his cock uh, shagging the flag. And you know what? It was such a bloody night. I was right there with him. Sorry to any German listeners. And... Um, you know, sorry you get the big man's small platter because I did not mean to bury you at all. <laughs> <laughs> like, legitimately not, I feel awful. Um, you can forgive me in the replies to uh, this tweet when this podcast link is posted. And uh, obviously, you can follow us at um, on Twitter, sorry, at WhatCultureWWE. And whilst you're there, you can follow Michael Hamplet at... If we had a pro wrestling tea store, like forgive Michael Sidger, it would be in people's bios and be on the t-shirt shop the next day. Um, at Michael Hamlet. Big man's small planet, just be like Nero, it'll be the Redeemer. <laughs>
at M Sidgwick for me. Once again, you can follow us all at What Culture WWE on Twitter. Subscribe um, to What Culture Wrestling on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods from. Don't listen to any other pods. No. Just ours. Why would you listen to any others? Um, subjects, not even other subjects. Just fill your phone full of What Culture pods. Don't yes. like take an interest in anything else. Wrestling is the highest of all the art forms. Honestly, I'm stop listening to music as well because. That's just a distraction from our revenue stream. <laughs> and the Beatles already perfected music, and I'm, you know, everyone's heard the Beatles all the time. I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm, I've been up since half three. Bye. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. We are a new show breaking down the anime news, views, and shows you care about each and every week. I can't think of a better studio to yeah. bring something like this to life. And yeah, I agree. We're covering all the classics. If I don't know a lot about Godzilla, which I do, but I'm trying to pretend <laughs> that I don't right Hold now. it in. Hold on. And our current faves. And Luffy must have his due. <laughs> Tune in every week for the latest anime updates and possibly a few debates. Oof. I remember, what was that? (laughs) Say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. You can listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday wherever you get your podcasts. And watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel.